Good morning, witches. This is the Witch Daily Show, coming to you from New Orleans, with host Tanya Brown. Our episodes span about 20 minutes long to give you just a little pop of magic. So, tune in, take a deep breath, and enjoy. Good morning. It is December 18th, 2023. It is Monday. I am Tanya, and this is the Wit Daily Show. Today's episode is brought to you by Dana DePonte. So let's get your day going with a little magic. Our quote of the day is The world is before you, and you need not take it or leave it as it was when you came in. James Baldwin. Yeah, I like that. People um, are, and they say this about a number of things. It's not just like the one obvious, but people love to say, well, if you don't like it, leave. If, if you don't like it, go somewhere else. I can't imagine being so complacent about the world I live in that I had to take it exactly as it was. Never want better for it. You know, it blows my mind. All right, which is moving into some headlines. This comes to us from the collector.com. Who are the most famous sorceresses of Greek mythology? And this is written by Elizabeth Patton, uh, who has a MA in English and a BA in English. Witchcraft and sorcery, sometimes referred to as pharmakia, relates to magic, working with herbs, potions, and ancient healing arts. Although the gods and goddesses of ancient Greece all had unique powers and magical abilities of their own, there are a few figures that stand out as the most famous sorcerers in Greek mythology. First, one of the classics, Cirque. Cirque is perhaps the most renowned witch in Greek mythology. Weaving in and out the multiple ancient and modern stories, she is captivating an enigmatic figure, daughter of the sun god Helios, and famous for her mastery of magic. After turning a romantic rival into the sea monster, Cirque, banished. <laughs> Cirque was banished to the mythical isolated island of Aea. Her most famous depiction is in Homer's The Odyssey, where she encounters Odysseus and his crew after they arrive. Using one of her potions, she transforms his entire crew into swine. Although her beguiling and bewitching nature initially paints her as a, as a villainous figure, she is not merely a malevolent sorceress. Ultimately, Cirque helps Odysseus and his crew, graciously hosting them during their year-long stay and offering guidance for the rest of their journey when they finally depart. Next, we have Hecate. Hecate is the goddess of witchcraft which makes her one of the most famous divine figures of magic in Greek mythology. She is considered the patroness of sorcery, necromancy, and the mystical arts, directly connecting her to all other sorceresses on this list. Um, actually, I never quite realized she was a patroness of necromancy, uh, that, which makes a lot of sense if practical magic. Um, they call Hecate to raise Jimmy from the dead. Ancient practitioners invoked her for guidance during rituals, protection of the home, and wisdom in life, especially during difficult transitions and decisions. Hecate is often depicted as triple-bodied, representing phases of the moon and the cycle of womanhood, maiden, mother, and crone. 
As such, she has become one of the most revered deities in both ancient pagan and neo-pagan religious traditions. Next, we have Medea. The Greek sorceress Medea is renowned for her cunning nature and mastery of magic. Aside from her role as a skilled sorceress, she's also famously a tragic heroine. She is daughter of King Aetes, niece to Cirque, and princess of Colchis, an ancient kingdom renowned for its gold and home to the famed Golden Fleece. Medea's story revolves around her passionate love affair with Jason, the hero who embarks on a quest for the Golden Fleece. Medea betrays her father and uses her magic to aid Jason and the Argonauts. After this quest, they marry and have children. However, their fairy tale love takes a disastrous turn when Jason abandons Medea to marry the princess of Corinth. After the quest, they marry and have children. However, their fairy tale love takes a disastrous turn when Jason abandons uh, abandons Medea to marry the princess of Corneth. Overcome with grief and rage at his betrayal, Medea sends the princess a poisoned dress, resulting in the gruesome deaths of both the princess and her father. However, her final act of revenge against Jason is to murder their children, solidifying her legacy in Greek mythology as one of the most tragic and ruthless witches. Next, we have Pasiphae. So Pasiphae is the sister of Cirque, queen of the kingdom of Crete, and wife to King Minos. Not Midas, Minos. She is famously known as the mother of the Minotaur, a monstrous creature that is half man and half bull. This unnatural offspring is the result of a curse from Poseidon, which encouraged, uh, encouraged Pasiphae's fascination and unnatural desires for his majestic white bull. At first, she tries to care for the young creature, but it soon grows violent and uncontrollable. King Minos then enlists the help of his inventor to create a labyrinth as a way to safely house the Minotaur. Her connection to magic is less prominent in mythology than her sister Cirque and niece Medea. However, the female line and her family were all gifted with magic. And Pisiphae was considered especially gifted with herbs and potions. One legend suggests that she used these skills to cast a spell on King Minos so that whenever he was unfaithful, his mistresses would die. Although every divine figure and deity held incredible powers and abilities, these women are the most renowned for their witchcraft and magical prowess, showcasing both beneficial and benevolent side of sorcery in Greek mythology. It's so funny. I remember um, someone posted in the Facebook group asking if there were any deities that weren't about fertility. And really, I think the Greeks are a wonderful place to look. Hecate, there's absolutely no touch on it. Um, I think it was, what, Medea killed a bunch? Uh, you know, so I think the Greeks, uh, I, I like that they have um, quite a fierceness when it comes to their goddesses. All right, witches, I am throwing this over to our moon correspondent. And after this break, we will talk more. Hello to all of my astro friends. This is Serendipity, the Chicago astrologer, coming at you with your daily moon mantra for Monday, December 18th. 
The waxing crescent moon continues to catch the bird's eye view in Pisces today. Here, the moon trines Venus and squares Mars. There are some definite good vibes here, but they have the potential to turn bad and quickly. Everyone's on a bit of an edge with the moon square Mars. With Mars in Sagittarius, it's possible that the disagreements center around differing philosophies or approaches to life. The trying to Venus and Scorpio has this feeling that there's a deeper cause here, something that could resolve these problems if we just brought it to the surface. Give yourself permission to explore the subtext. Everything isn't always the way it seems, and some things are worth unraveling a bit before we try to put it back together. Your daily moon mantra is, sometimes when things are falling apart, they may actually be falling into place. This has been your Daily Moon Mantra with Serendipity, the Chicago astrologer, signing off and reminding you that you are in charge of your own destiny. Are you a highly sensitive witch who has weathered the storms of difficult childhoods or past traumas? The free weekly prompts to art journal with the moon by Dana DuPont, a professional intuitive and art witch with a highly sensitive spirit, might be the calming, healing journey your nervous system needs. Art journaling with the moon allows you to align with seasonal rhythms and lunar cycles in a colorful and creative way. Every Monday, Dana will drop into your inbox with a visually spellbinding summary of the moon's coming and goings, her intuitive insights on the emotional healing work the moon is inviting you to do that week, and daily journal prompts to guide your creative healing journey. Don't worry, no Van Gogh or Picasso skills needed. Scribbles, doodles, stick figures, they all hold magic. Let the moon guide you. Let art heal you. Start your magical journey with Dana at danadepont.com. That's D-A-N-A-D-A-P-O-N-T-E.com. All right, we are back. So we've been talking a lot about Yule this month and different history, traditions, creatures. Uh, It has been a grand old time. So let's talk about how we can actually practice. And we're going to kind of have quite a few different uh, variations this week of how to practice. But you know what? I love throwing out ideas. And here's the thing. And sometimes, even though I know all of you understand, but (laughs) kind of internet culture right now has a very severe misunderstanding of that not everything is for you. And I feel like we've reached this kind of entitlement where we expect everything to be for us. And an example of that is, um, you know, look at any comments of any recipe. So a recipe will be like for zucchini bread. And then you have someone mad because they're allergic to zucchini. And it's like, well, then that's not for you. Then don't look, then don't click on a recipe for zucchini bread, you know, or um, very often someone will be like, well, how can you make this vegan? And here's the thing is that typically when you're vegan, you know how to make things vegan, right? So that's kind of your responsibility. Um, I was vegan for a long time. And so very often when people go, oh, how can I make this this, this thing vegan? I'm like, well, there's milk in it. So just use a different kind of milk, you know? And uh, so I I start that to say is that, you know, I'm going to throw out a lot of ideas this week for how to celebrate Yule. Um, and I'm going to be honest, a lot of them might not be for you. They might be for people who practice solo or who practice in a group or who want to practice with their kids or their family or so my goal 
is for something I say this week to inspire you just a little. Even if it's just, you know what? I think on Christmas Eve, I'm going to tell a ghost story. Like even the smallest thing, if we can find anything that inspires us, we are like we're lucky, right? We're growing our witch's tool belt. We're growing our interests, our arsenal of magic and tradition. And, you know, so I'm going to be sharing a week of ideas and not all of them are going to be for everybody, but hopefully one thing resonates. So we're going to let Cosmo tell us. I love, I, I, if you've noticed, I'll sometimes kind of poke fun at Cosmo for posting witchcraft stuff, but I do kind of love it. So we're turning to Cosmo for ways to celebrate Yule. So we already talked about a Yule log, right? And there's so many different ways you can use a Yule log. You can get an actual log of wood and you can decorate it. Uh, you can have children pin ideas and thoughts to it. You can um, carve it. You can put herbs on it that represent different aspects that you want to bring into the new year. Or maybe you can write things you want to banish. Uh, I know one of our listeners, Lilith, she kind of does like a Yule candle. And it's like a Yule log candle of wax. It's really neat. And... um. I'll see if I can post pictures of it or share the photos of it that she uh, shares every year in the Facebook group, like find it and bump it up. Um, but there's different ways we can use a Yule log. You can even, if you're a kitchen witch, you can make a Yule log, a Yule log cake dessert. One day I will, one day, one day, which was actually invented in France and is a French dessert called Bouche de Noël. So you can put up a Yule wreath. You can make a wreath of evergreens like yew, holly, pine, mistletoe, ivy to represent life, protection, prosperity. Uh, you can go bigger and get a solstice bush or you can do a tree and um, you can decorate it with all of these wonderful uh, different evergreens, holly and ivy to ward off energy, pine for healing, mistletoe for fertility and abundance. There are so many wonderful ways. You can use things, and especially if, like, you're in the witch's closet, if you're in the broom closet, like, you can um, do these things really out in the open. You know, no one's going to question your mistletoe, you know? You can decorate your altar for Yule using um, these plant ideas. It's like we already touched on pine, mistletoe, holly, etc. You can uh, have candles in red, green, and gold. Crystals of red, green, and gold, like emerald, ruby, and carnelian. You can do symbols of winter, like snowflake decor or a bowl of melted snow. I love that idea. Symbols of the sun, like oranges or tarot cards. You can use bells and winter produce, like chestnuts and cranberries and apples and oranges. You can host a whole Yule celebration where you bring people together to celebrate life in the darkness, connect with others, serve up a traditional feast of your favorite foods, bonus point if you have like winter produce, and turn it into a party. Uh, you can even do like a swap, like a witch swap, where you 
uh, bring a bunch of witches from your community together and have everyone bring like an item or two that they have in their witch cabinet that is in good condition, but that they just don't use. Like maybe a tarot gift or a tarot gift, a tarot deck they were gifted, but maybe they just didn't vibe with it. Like um, an athame they accidentally bought two of, you know, something cool. And then you can swap and then maybe you can give that thing a new home that's going to be a part of someone's practice forever. And I love that idea. You can do a ritual. Uh, think about your resolutions and intentions for the coming year. Light a candle and speak your resolutions out loud and then sit with the candle and let it burn down as you visualize your ambitions coming true. You can declutter your space. Yule is a release of the old and get ready for the new. So it's perfect to do some cleaning. I love a good physical clean of my space. Oh, it's so good for your mental health and it's so good to help you feel refreshed and renewed and ready to take on new things. When you've completed the physical cleaning process, spiritually cleanse your home. I like smoke cleansing by burning plates and pines and needles and mistletoe. You can do treats such as gingerbreads or simmer pots and things like that. So there's so many ways to celebrate Yule, even like not out in the open. All right, witches, I hope you have some ideas. Uh, I'm going to be sharing ideas all week. If you have ideas that you want to share, and actually I will make a post if you have ideas you want to share. Uh, Discord, Facebook, email, let me know and I will share them. All right, witches, we are wrapping up this episode of the Witch Daily Show. I want to give a shout out to listener Bonnie Jenkins. Bonnie, you loyal, luminous spinster. Tiffany Kalen, you Arcadian opulent selkie. Katie Garcia, you splendid avant-garde unicorn nurse. And Arlene Fried, you insidious sun goddess. That's a, that's a good one, Insidious Sun Goddess. Uh, that's all I've got for you today. Don't forget any books, decks, headlines, sources, uh, whatever we reference today will be found in the podcast episode description. And that's it. We'll talk tomorrow. Witches, we hope you have a wonderful day full of joy and gentleness and confidence. Links for this week's episodes, our website, Patreon, along with a free daily card pull can be found at witchpod.com. One stop for everything we talk about. Now, take one more deep breath and have a great day. <laughs>